Nobody warns you about the potential relationship pitfalls that occur after the arrival of children. You may seem prepared with the nursery items, daycare options, and the state-of-the-art crib, but have you prepared for the added stressors to your relationship? Hi, I'm Miranda, a Gottman-trained couples therapist. And I'm Aaron. I work in the financial industry, and Miranda and I have been partners for over 20 years. And we've had our fair share of ups and downs ourselves sure after have. becoming parents. Join us as we sit with couples sharing their experiences of how love has changed since the transition of children. Whether you are trying to conceive, currently pregnant, already have children, or experience loss and infertility, this podcast will showcase authentic, real couples, just like yourself, who are navigating love after lullabies. I will also share communication tips and tricks from my experience of working in private practice for over 10 years in the state of Oregon that can help maintain and even improve your relationship. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you get something out of today's episode. Today. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Oh my gosh. Greetings. I'm so tired today. You are tired. You've been hard at work podcasting. You're just amped up. I am amped up. It's go time. It's Sunday. It's go it's I got the Sunday sads, the yeah. Sunday scaries. We interviewed Kelsey and Shane and they shared with us their story of their relationship, which is a bit interesting because well, the kids are sneaking pictures under the door for us. They sure are. We asked them to give us ten minutes. That lasted we, about We got a good three. <laughs> three, yeah, Maybe. that's pretty generous. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho Um, yeah, they quickly met and married and started a family right away. So most of their marriage consists of either being pregnant, breastfeeding, or caring for children. Yeah. And they were both in the professional world. So how their, their life has had to morph and change to take care of the kids and, and then also look at their careers. We have, I think we've been pretty lucky in our jobs. You know, we were lucky through COVID that we both kept our jobs and with, having babies although i was in like more like community mental health when we had our first which was not great yeah and i wouldn't say we were lucky we we were fortunate enough that you sacrificed as a working mom and and juggled working as a private practice and taking care of the kids so grateful really well i mean i had that Ability to be able to pick my own schedule, which yeah. was nice. After I left agencies, because I was in agency work, you know, I had 12 weeks of maternity leave, which I had to save up. It was all vacation time that I saved up. So there was there was no maternity leave, I guess, right? It was my yeah. vacation time. It was your vacation time. I think they had some kind of short-term disability, but you piled it on top of your vacation. I didn't get anything like that. It was no? all vacation. Okay, yeah. Well, and so that was with our first. And then our second, yeah, you had zero. You didn't have PTO or anything because you were self-employed. And at that time, I was doing my private practice, but I was also doing some contract work, which was essentially working as though I was in private practice. I didn't have a paycheck. I, If I didn't see clients, I didn't get paid. So very similar to that. So I think because of that, I decided to go back relatively soon, but work evenings and weekends. So that way you could be at home with the kids. I do remember some bitterness around working weekends. You put a lot of weekends in. 
we made it work and and i mean you're still you're still doing that now you're private practice full-time and taking care of the kids so but at least now i work in the day in the daytime hours yeah it helps that the kids are in school and you can yes. you can balance that that scheduling out but i can't imagine you know kelsey shares that she was working you know working the corporate ladder and decided to be a stay-at-home mom and she discusses their challenges with that and and what that did to their relationship which is pretty interesting and sex and intimacy and communication and all kinds of golden nuggets in this episode yes all the good stuff enjoy listening everyone take care shared this with Kelsey that it's been such a challenge to try to have people's partners come on the show. <laughs> no, he has a beer. Yeah, I, had oh, I love it. We. Uh, what time is it there? Uh, it's like almost, it's noon. So okay. it's not as early. It's, it's not barely as early. justifiable to have a beer, but it's noon. That's fine. Yeah. We got some boozy coffee going here, so. You're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about you guys and your story and how you met and all the things. Yeah. So we met in San Diego. So I grew up in San Diego. Shane grew up in Philly area outside of Philly. Um, and we met in San Diego at a housewarming party of a family member of his and a coworker of mine. Um, and so we met, but I was still in a relationship with my ex-boyfriend at the time that was winding down. And so we met there, but then a few weeks later, we started working together. So he joined the company that I was working for and we sat next to each other. We were cube mates. So um, that was when we started getting to know each other a little bit more. And my ex and I had broken up at that point. And so we became friends for a few months. And then um, in July, so this is 2014, in July of 2014, we began dating. And then things escalated <laughs> within like a month we were living together. We had talked about, we were like, oh, we're together in two years, we'll get engaged. So we did that at like, what, two weeks of dating? So I went from saying to my family, I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to get married to like dating for two weeks and being like, we could get married. We're together in two years. We'll get engaged. Um, and so we did. We got engaged two years later and got married a year after that. And then just like a timeline, we had our got pregnant a month in mm-hmm. to being married, had our first daughter, had our second daughter two years later, just over two years later, and our third just under two years after that. And okay. she's seven months now. So we've oh, just wow. been having babies. Yeah. So I've been either pregnant or breastfeeding since a month into our marriage, basically. And did you guys talk about making a plan for becoming parents? Well, Shane is one of four and I'm one of two. And I remember when I met his family, um, his sister had four kids. Uh, Well, she has four kids, but they were young at the time um, when I met them. I remember being like, this is chaotic, but I kind of like how chaotic it is. Of course, at the time I was dipping into, (laughs) I was not living in it day to day. Um, But we did know we wanted to have kids. I had always wanted two kids. He had always wanted four kids. Now he says he wants five kids. Uh, But I think that's because I say three now and he wants me to get to four. Um, See how many more you can push. (laughs) (laughs) He's changing things. Um, But we knew we wanted kids. We just didn't. I had a friend who had a lot of fertility struggles for years um, right before we got married. And I was speaking a lot with her about that. And so we just didn't want to wait too long knowing that we wanted to have quite a few kids early on in our um, marriage. So that drove us to try, but we (laughs) didn't realize how uh, quickly 
it mm. would happen. I think it's one of those couples where it's like, we're really lucky and we feel really grateful for that. But at the same time, we were like, whoa, it's been a month. Right. In fairness, so like on our honeymoon, she's reading books about like uh, body, body temperature. temperature or something like, like uh, fertility. Like, so we had definitely uh, knew we were going to try and have kids, but I think it, we were like, we let's were see expecting if we're it fertile. to take longer than, yeah. it, than it did. And uh, yeah, we were definitely planning for it. Nice. Yeah, it's. I mean, you just never know. Yeah. Uh, it, if when we had our first, it, it took us a long time. It took us over a year, mm-hmm. and then, but then we had our second. It was like, you know, yeah. We pulled the goalie, and within a month, it was ready. You know, <laughs> like so. wait a minute, we thought this was going to take yeah. a long time. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I was like using the month as like a test month to see, am I ovulating? You know, thinking that then if I am, okay, well, we'll be, we'll, you know, maybe we'll wait a little bit longer. We'll see. Um, but knowing in the first six months, we knew we were going to try. I was kind of trying to test it out and then that was when it happened. So, yeah. yeah. So how was that transition to parenthood for you guys? Abrupt. Abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> we love being parents, yeah. but we, I hadn't been around babies like in my family a lot and you're like a fun uncle. Like he's been like an uncle type and been around kids, but not like the infant, like mm. the one who's like holding infants all the time or anything. So I think in wise we were very shocked and one thing that surprised me was I wasn't expecting him to be so tuned into her like sleeping like you know the stuff that you hear of like moms right after they have their baby like they can't sleep because they're like is she breathing is she you know all of that stuff I think that was more so Shane had that experience where he like couldn't sleep and he was getting very sleep deprived and he was very worried about her and like monitoring her chest like going up and down like that whole thing so I think the first few months were pretty yeah I think what was interesting is like when we had met at work so we worked at a company that was like they just opened up an office out in San Diego and it was all like younger people and it was like that startup mentality and we're the first people of like our group of friends to like have kids and stuff so it was kind of like a huge wake-up call like okay well now you're responsible for like another human being and like raising like raising a good kid and being a good parent and that was like terrifying so that's like kind of like led me to like read all the books and listen to podcasts and then start hearing about like SIDS and then I started overthinking that anxiety spiral exactly do you like it really was a shock to our social life of course because we couldn't be going to the happy hours every night and like and we didn't want to it's not like we were like oh we wish we could be out right now it was just more that shift that we hadn't seen our friends go through professionally I think our first kid about six months in to our first daughter being born I like had a huge perspective shift on like everything in my life so (laughs) poor Shane married like this person who was like I'm gonna climb the corporate ladder forever this is my career and then like six months in I'm like changing my whole parenting style I'm like I need to leave my job I need to find my purpose in life like I'm doing all these like yeah just kind of changing our whole plan within a year basically Mm -hmm. um I didn't leave my job at that point but I eventually did leave my job so that has been a huge transition for us since we were making either the same or I some years I was making more than him so it's like cutting our whole thing in half for me to go on this like journey which you've been really good about but it has been rough that soul searching took place after becoming a parent and just having everything kind of shift for you or what was that experience like Yeah, well, we were both working at the same company. So we had the same hours. We had the same, like, when things were busy at the company, it was an East Coast company. So we're working really early hours through like mid afternoon, but we were, it's not like either of us had a ton of flexibility at the time. The company slowly started moving more remote because this was before COVID. 
the whole day we were not there. Like neither of us was there. And we were thinking, oh, well, when she's older, who's going to like drop her off? Who's going to pick her up? Like we were both in meetings all day. It was like back to back meetings all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like who's going to take her to soccer? You know, like all of those types of things started popping up into our head first. But then secondly, I think I kind of moved toward more of conscious or respectful parenting route and started doing a lot of research there. And that was making me look at my own, mm-hmm. my own, how I was raised and what I've thought I wanted to do and so it was just causing me to look differently at like my corporate like ladder climbing (laughs) ways and how much that was burning me out that was I think the start of it then when COVID hit we were like okay this is our chance like we were moving across the country so that's when I did eventually take a full step back so going from being like full-time working breadwinner (laughs) to stay-at-home parent making no money was like a big shift for us what was that like for you Shane like I had a stay-at-home mom, so I'd always just kind of always saw that for our kids, but uh, that wasn't like the course we were on in the very beginning. She's the type of person that like in the corporate environment, like excels. And whereas I like never did well in school, was never like, put more effort into like, having that be my life. Mm-hmm. And that's been a little bit tough. I get to come home and I see like the kids are happy there with their mom. So like it, it makes it all worth it. And it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, I'm going to stay at home forever. It was like, let's take some time. Let's figure out if this works. And then I'll do something more flexible or I'll do freelancing or I'll do, you know, um, like part-time something. But then looking back, we're kind of like, Shane has all these hobbies and things that he loves doing. Um, And we're like, why did we do that? Like, I think we just had like in his family, his dad worked, his mom stayed home. And we were like, and same with his sister and brother-in-law, his brother-in-law works, his sister stays home. And we were just kind of like, well, let's try that. Um, But looking back, I probably should have stayed in the corporate world and just kept that moving while he took a step back and pursued something more flexible because we've run into a lot of things like just with work burning him out of course like and feeling all that pressure as the breadwinner oh well I have to keep this job like there's no room for me to mess up there's no room this is like therapeutic guys thanks for having us on and being on no there is like I think like COVID threw a wrench in everything too where it was just like we didn't you just kind of had to adapt and had gone into it with a a plan of like we know we want one of us to be at home raising our kids we know we want like we don't want them to grow up with it solely knowing the nanny and stuff we just you just had to kind of like adapt on the fly so like kelsey said like we moved off across the country in like june of 2020 while she was still pregnant yeah our life has just been kind of like non-stop like hustling for the last ever since like you know we got back from the honeymoon it's been like non-stop hustling i think we're both white knuckling it to a certain degree <laughs> and, uh, things settle down kids start sleeping through the night and that sort of thing and it's and childcare is so stupid expensive so like you hit that mm-hmm. you hit that magic number of kids that you're like is it really worth it's like a full-time salary right well that's yeah. what we i'm trying to re-enter right now um the workforce and every offer i've gotten i'm just calculating like down yeah. to the tax totally. like okay well after taxes after benefits after all this stuff like how much will i be netting and i'm kind of just waiting for something that pays me more around what i was making because unless i'm making that he can't take any step back even if he wants to so it doesn't relieve that pressure and then we're just carting the kids around for like a net 500 bucks yeah. a month or something you know like that doesn't make no. sense it's also like a mental health balance because like we need to net, you know we need to make sure that we're both stable and like staying home 100% of the time with nothing else going on doesn't work for me being the breadwinner working full-time in a corporate world also doesn't work for him so we're just constantly trying to figure out what we're doing so you you mentioned the words you know white knuckling it always on the hustle what what do you guys do to blow off steam like what's 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 the date night what's the are you able to yeah what's the (laughs) what's the unloading of that 
question. Yeah, we'll let you know when we find out. Uh, is that why Phillies fans climb light poles? It's just the thrill of it. I'm like a, an early adopter of like smart house technology and stuff. And like to the point where like it's bad, it's like stupid and it doesn't really work yet. Got really into it. And then the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, I wonder like how are these things made? And I started like researching it and then I got into like micro programmers and the, you tell them I'm, I'm the least interesting person I think you're probably ever going to interview on your podcast. That's not true. <laughs> but, but like I got super into that and like, can I make my own stuff? And then got into like from that, fell into like 3D printing. And that for me has been my outlet is I'm just going <laughs> to go in the basement and like Tinkers. tinker for a little bit. That's been kind of how I pull off steam. We don't get to do that that often. Uh, there's like, there seems like there really is no like downtime. Every, every second of the day is allocated to like getting the kids ready, mm-hmm. going to work, coming mm-hmm. back, getting dinner ready, putting the kids to bed. And then by the end of it, it's like, you got 30 minutes. What do you want to do? Yeah. And we are always battling. Like we each want to do our own things. Like Shane has his hobbies that he's doing that he'd like to eventually obviously make, make money off of them at some point. And then I'm trying to figure out what I even like. Cause I really think once I became a stay at home mom, I fell into that like mom black hole where I was just like, and then everything else was gone. And I didn't know like, what do I like? And the whole point of me taking a step back was to figure out what I like so that I could go do that professionally or like, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Um, but I didn't anticipate after having two kids, I didn't anticipate how much harder it would be. I think I had looked at when I'm home with my daughter on the weekend or whatever. And I had thought, okay, that's where I'll be. And when she naps, I'll sit down and I'll do this, this, and this, but that is not at all what it was like. My second born like doesn't rest. So there were never times where they were both sleeping. It was like the whole day was like, and they're early risers. So it was like, Every time I'd get up early to like try to stretch or like drink coffee or do work or do uh-huh. something I cared about, someone would pop up like, and now that we're three, it's even worse. So we're always like debating like, okay, now that we're done with all of our stuff, it's like 8.30. Should we like hang out? Should <laughs> we do something on our own? Can I just like sit and not be touched? Like, hmm. like should I clean everything? Because everything's disgusting all the time. Uh-huh. You know, it's like that battle, that like end of day battle where we want to be connected and we know that's important. But then at the same time, we have no time for ourselves or anything that we want to do. So I like, I feel like it's totally worth it. I'm not, like, don't want to sound like a complainer or anything too. Like it's, it's awesome. Cause then you have like the great moments. Like today, me and my sister took our two daughters and her son, like magnet fishing. And they were like blown away. Yeah. Like so much fun doing that. Definitely worth it. But I think it's tough because our relationship, mm-hmm. let's wait till they at least can sleep in their own bed at night. This has been, to be honest, one of our biggest challenges is like where to prioritize our relationship. After our first and second, we were definitely, our relationship was last. Like literally everything would come first. It was like kids, work, finances, family members, even like our parents, our siblings. And then it was us. And then we knew we had to, okay, we got to like our relationship somewhere up closer to the top. Um, But it's been like a debate between us. I feel like, like we don't always see eye to eye on like where and when and what type of stuff needs prioritized because we do have different ways of showing love and receiving love. And so sometimes it seems like whoever's the most desperate is the one who wins. (laughs) Like, you know, like I'm really desperate right now. And like the way I receive love is like, a hug or I want to have a deep conversation that's not necessarily what he wants when he's you know really desperate so it seems like it's kind of like a big play of desperation all the time I mean it's so easy to put your relationship last because it's there it's solid you know so it's like okay later later (laughs) so 
I think. I mean, it started solid. That's why yeah. you had you got married and you had kids and right, right. all the things, right? Yeah, and I think we just were like that that couple because we didn't have any friends with kids. We were that couple that everyone jokes about who's like, oh, well, we'll just have, like add a kid and like then we'll just add another kid and then we'll just add another kid and it's gonna be fine. And like, we'll just keep doing what we do. Like the other thing is my family's all in San Diego. His family's all in the Philly area. We're very family oriented. It's one of like our biggest commonalities. And so we were always like, well, we're gonna travel all the time with our kids because we can't not be with the other side of the family like for we're going to travel multiple times a year and then now when we travel it's like us three kids under five a dog we're literally like drafting <laughs> ourselves you can, you can see people in you the airport being people, like, like don't get on my plane yeah, not, what is yeah. Wrong? they're giving you they're giving you the like you know we get you yeah. <laughs> godspeed yeah so like we it's other stuff like that where we just like didn't realize i think how much of a disruption and same with like this stuff that we used to do like we just used to binge watch shows that that was something we loved doing together is certain shows we were watching together or just like hanging out and like laying in bed going out to eat like all these things are just not as possible so Mm -hmm. we've really been trying to figure out like what is possible that will make us feel connected in a very small amount of time you know I think in so many areas of our life, we're just at opposite sides of the spectrum. So other than like values, just everything, like the way we do things, the way we move about our day and everything is opposite. And I think before having kids, there was so much room for that opposite. Like Shane stays up late. I wake up early. If we're going to do something in the house, like we have totally different approaches. He never reads directions. I'm like, let's read the instructions and let's follow them to a T like from big things to little things like what we fear, what we get excited about, everything is opposite. And before we had kids, it was like, well, let's just meet in the middle and let's, we have all this time to debate and to talk and to just figure out what's going to work for us. And now we're like, no, we got to be making decisions. We got to be moving, you know, all the time. And I think that's the core of a lot of our, our stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the difference of fears that you guys have and how it's been bigger or more, you know, difference of what am I trying to say? Emphasize yes, there we kids. go. Um, yeah. Since having kids, I'm curious, like if you want to go into that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, this is one that we've talked about a lot lately because of all the transitions going on. But I think I'm not going to speak for you, but the things I fear are, I think based on how we were raised, we have different capacities for dealing with things that scare us. So like for me, I have a lot of fear around safety stuff and health and like losing people. So Mm. when he's like working himself to the bone and like really highly stressed, mine's like, we just got to quit. I don't care. Like we'll live in a car. I don't care, but you're not going to like have a heart attack over this. You know, like that's my go-to is like, I'm not afraid to take a financial risk, but I am afraid to risk health related stuff that really like freaks me out, like mental health, physical health. But then Shane is a lot more financially conservative. And so I come from a family of teachers. Like, I think I'm the only person that went off the path, like teaching. And my dad was a, he was actually my high school teacher. He was taught at the high school in our our town. My mom stayed at home. She picked up part-time jobs when she could, but so I'm one of four. And there was like, she was always like raising us. Uh, So like whenever we got to an age where we could, she would pick up work. But like, for me, it's always been, I don't ever want to get to a point where if I quit my job, that means like our health insurance goes away. And then it, it, I mean, you've obviously had kids, like you get that hospital bill. If you don't have insurance, it's like, all right, well, 
you know, $30,000 for this, this kid we just had. So it's, I always worry about, you know, I want to make sure I show up for my kids as far as being a good dad, being fun, making sure they have a good time. But then the other side of it is I don't want to get to a position where we're not able to afford the best care for them if they get sick or something. I don't want them to be taking my worry on their shoulders as well. I want them to be able to enjoy stuff and, and do the stuff that their friends get to do. Well, and I want that too. So to be fair, it's not like I'm like, we don't need to do anything. Right. It's yeah. Just- I think the core difference is I believe that things are going to just, if you take care of yourself, if you doing your best, that we'll figure it out. And that is coming from a place of privilege. Like I was raised, both my parents worked. We, I never had to worry. I didn't get what I wanted all the time because my dad, my dad was like, absolutely not. Um, but I never worried that like I couldn't do a sport. So I'm always just like, well, we'll figure it out. Like, I'll just get another job or we'll just do that. Like, I'm very much like that. And he's like, no, what if we don't figure it out? Like, what if it doesn't work out that way? So there's just that constant difference in how we see things, which is, I think we could be using it to our advantage, but when we're so burnt out and tired, we don't, we just, instead we're like, well, you don't get it. He's like, you don't see the severity of the situation. And then for me, I'm like, you're penning me in. Like, I feel like I can't even have any like dreams or like, I can't even believe that things will work out because I have to be so worried all the time about stuff or else you think I'm not taking you seriously. Yeah. You know? I also go like zero to 60. Yeah. I, there's yeah, like no, like- there's no in between for me. It's like worst case or best case scenario. Some of the aspects you guys are talking about, they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Kelsey, you're saying, you know, health is a really big deal. Like the money's not, not an issue, but then you hear Shane talk about how, he, you're right. Health is a big deal. And he's working hard to get have medical coverage. Yeah, yeah our values are exactly the same. So that's what's so right. funny about all of this is we have like very strong family values. We are strangely close with our parents. We both really care about like health and providing for our kids. We want to, we have the same vision for the future. It's just, I'm yeah. not worried about like the, the difference is that I'm not worried if, when there's a hiccup, he gets very worried. And I think that's the biggest difference is he because I'm not super worried and to be fair like my mom she had a corporate job she made good money and she loved it like she was just didn't I didn't perceive it as a sacrifice I didn't perceive it as something that was like super difficult for her so I saw her going out and leaving the home and making money and feeling really good about it and coming home and being energized so like I don't have I think this like idea that to make money to be able to pay for college or to be able to do these things, I have to sacrifice. Like, I just don't have that. I'm lucky to not have that in a lot of ways, but in our relationship, it becomes a problem because I think it comes across as I'm, I don't get it. Or like, I'm not, you know, and in some ways that's true. Like, I'm not, I'm not like sitting here being like, oh no, like, you know, like that's not happening. And so when he goes there, I'm not able to bring him back as Mm -hmm. easily, I think, because he thinks I don't even get why he's there it's hard for you to understand. You don't experience it the way that I experience it. And so therefore it like feels disconnected. Exactly. I don't know if it's customary to add. like, what about you guys? It, it made me, when you were talking about providing for your kids and like, for example, taking them to a water park, we actually took our kids to the water park over, over the holidays. Let's create a core memory yeah. and take them to the water park, right? It's an indoor water park here. We live in the Pacific Northwest. So it's freezing outside, rainy. Anyways, we asked our kids at the end of that weekend, what was their top three things of holiday break, right? Because they're off of school. And I was like, and we're like on a water park high. We're like, dude, the water park with the slide, you know? And we're like, what were the top three things? And it didn't even make the top three. And they had a great time, but their core memories for that weekend was their stockings, was like cooking cookies and going to their grandma's house, right? And it's like, 
well shoot like was that our expectation like we're going to create these amazing core memories like what are they picking up to like create core memories from I think we share similar stressors which is probably not always a good thing either because it could you know we can kind of spin out a little bit on those which I think sometimes that could be helpful that we have similar ones because we can kind of support each other in that but I think too that it can we can both go to a place of avoidance because we neither of us wanted to talk about it Another thing we should mention, just because this is like a marriage after kids podcast, but like, I feel like people don't talk about it until they're out of it is this whole like competition thing that we have run into this over and over and we know it's bad. Like we know we shouldn't be doing this, but we can't stop where like one of us, when we're really burnt out, we'll be like, well, I did this and I slept this bad and I'm the one breastfeeding and I'm the one who had to have the C-section, like, and then the other side is, well, I'm the one who's, you know, and this like constant, like every time we seem to fall into it, we're getting a little better. That's something that- Yeah, you always revert back to it, I feel like. Yeah, we fall into the trap and then we're just like resenting each other, looking at each other, like you're not doing enough or I'm doing too much or, you know, even though if if we are in a calm, regulated state and we step back, we're like, wow, we're both trying really hard. We're both doing a lot. We should really just be on the same team. But like in those moments, that's where we go. That like that's the fight style that comes out slinging, right? <laughs> Saved up our little bank of all the things we did in the last week, <laughs> sling them back. Like, well, I did this, and I stayed up all weekend, and I let you sleep in, and I let you know, and you went golfing, and you like. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And like, could you imagine, like, well, try and imagine going back to before you had kids. Yeah. And even like, like, yeah, they don't teach you about that stuff. They don't tell you like, hey, before you have this kid, this may happen. You this guys will sh- happen. This will happen. <laughs> yeah. It happened to us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels like that's every moment of our life is uh, there's always somebody that, you know, this is going to be like the hardest part of your life or like this. And you're like her sister, who's a couple of years, like three years younger than her dating somebody who doesn't have kids. You see the level of stress that she has from just one, Regular one thing is yeah. out of order. Like the coaster is. Yeah. Or scattered on the table or something you try and tell them put it in perspective you're like listen you come to our house you can see our house nothing in order yeah. uh you don't have it that bad and it does like it doesn't it doesn't change ha- it. yeah it doesn't help we it's were still those people. we were those people who were like today we have to do laundry so like we're not gonna come over till three you know like we were yeah. those people who were like so focused on work that managing our real life like our personal lives was like a big deal and it took a lot of mm-hmm. effort um and now we're just on the fly doing as much as we can and then like fighting about who's doing more <laughs> i have the image of like the monkey throwing poop or flinging shit at each other do you recognize when you're in those patterns and are able to kind of step out i know for us it really just came down to neither one of us feeling appreciated when we're in a good place like when we're you know rested and fed and <laughs> all of that like we, we try really hard to express those little tiny things throughout the day, even if it seems like really mundane when you're in the, in the throes of it, it's, it's hard to kind of like, do you, are you able to step out of it? And lately we say it, I think, I think we recognize it. I don't yeah. know how we can, ever... the way we stop is by one of us being like, I'm not doing this right now. Like uh, that's, it. it's yeah. not like a healthy, like, Oh, I'm sorry. So I do think, I'm doing it. Like, like it's not like, yeah. right. Try not go to bed like mad at night. I think we do. I mean, we like admit we're fighting about something really stupid right now. We both recognize it's really stupid. Neither of us really wants to give in on how yeah. hard we're fighting for it, though. It's just like, even though we recognize it, we're still full mm-hmm. throttle. Like, 
we got that advice from people before when we got married, like never go to sleep angry. We go to sleep angry. We say we are totally okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? I don't, yeah, I don't want to talk to you right now and you don't want to talk to me right now. Let's go to sleep. Yeah. And we can pick this up tomorrow when maybe we have a fresher lens, a different mm-hmm. perspective, maybe overnight. And then that kind of goes hand in hand with how we, after throwing shit at each other at times, where we always try to remember and remind ourselves it's never too late to repair it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we may flip some shit and it may be, get, may get dirty for a minute, but we can always like come back. We always both understand we can come back and be like, oh God, you know, we sh- I shouldn't have said it in that way. I shouldn't have said it at that time. But there's still like a twinge of like, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. like, yeah. It is dangerous because there's like those fights and then there are some that have like evolved into much bigger, those that starts as that fight. And then someone says something in the middle of it that is very damaging to one or the other. And then that, those things, that's where it gets messy. It's like, I, I want to be able to stop it before it ever gets to that point or to know it's happening because that's happened before. It hasn't happened in the most recent like six months, but definitely in some of the more vulnerable times in our marriage, like right after babies, when I'm in postpartum, for example, things that have happened in that window for me are very, like they're magnified. So like if we have, if he has like a really rough week and he says something to me and I'm in that period, I feel like in those periods, I'm like, I need you to be support person. So like those types of things have gotten a lot bigger and they like don't go away as easy as like fighting about who unloaded the dish who unloaded the dishes more times or who got to sleep in and so I think it is like a dangerous game and that's why we want to stop it we know that happens but it's not like we're not at the point yet where we're like evolved enough to always you know nip it in the bud yeah I mean and I can relate to that like I'm I'm a couples therapist so I think that there's a lot of people who assume that I am a perfect communicator with my partner and I am far from it. You know, <laughs> I'm human. So I, I struggle a lot with being vulnerable and coming back and with my tail between my legs and repairing stuff. It I takes time. Yeah, for sure. Just yesterday, we were sitting on the couch last weekend and then I finished it this weekend. I fixed a little part of the wall, you know, that like I patched it and, and then I repainted it and like, it was literally like no big deal, but I was walking. I that, that needed to be done for like a year. I was like, Hey, the corner of that wall looks good, huh? And you're like, it's fine. And so it's like, but it's like, that was like, I, I kind of want that. Like I want, you know, like, um, but it, it, yeah, I don't know. I just, I relate to what you were saying, Shane. <laughs> I appreciate you calling that out. I was admiring your barn door. Um, it looks like- we're, we're at my sister's we're house right now. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. I, I didn't even, I didn't even. I mean, notice. thank you. Yeah. I put that up last weekend. <laughs> I didn't even notice the barn door. I was too concentrated on the life-size Michelangelo. You see you. We hoped you would notice that. Yeah. In yeah. my mind, I was like, did Shane make that with his 3D printer? Kind of yeah, so we, we could edit this out. Yeah, I made that. It took, uh, I self, self-designed it. Uh, self-designed. Well, Hit us up for life-size <laughs> yeah. Michelangelo. And not yeah. the artist, the actual Ninja Turtle. Yeah. sex are not having enough sex yeah that's a question that we always want to talk about I think so many people want to hear about it you know it's a sensitive topic and then here we are like so tell us about your sex lives like people you don't even know no I mean we that was one of our 
best parts, probably our best intimacy pillar prior to getting married. And I think that's been the been a struggle for sure with that many little with this many little kids. It's a struggle. And we've tried so many things to try to like get it back on track. Being like romantic and like building up to that point is not I see it as like we have at any point in time one of the kids is probably going to wake up and ruin this. We don't have time to like do that. Like my body's programmed. No, you need to like first connect on a real topic and build that emotional connection. My body's just like, Hey, we got, uh, 30 minutes of uninterrupted time. He's like, let's go. Yeah. Two minutes of that. And then you're going to have 28 minutes left over to do whatever you want. Uh, let's go. And like, <laughs> and Kelsey, I think is more like, no, I want to talk about what's going on, how, like, you, I want to feel connected. Well, it's connected. not even that. I think what it is is, like, I, we've tried scheduling. Like, we've tried saying, okay, these are the days of the week that we're going to have sex. And, Mom, tune out if you're listening to this. These are the days of the week that we're going to have sex. Like, and that works okay because mentally I know that. And right. then if things go wrong during the day, like, if he says something real sassy to me, then I can be like, well. Never happened. That was very sassy. And, like, that is a turnoff, you know, so I can address it. But when we don't have some sort of schedule or when we don't have the capacity to have a schedule or something, then I think what it is, is like, we might agree, oh, let's try to hang out, quote unquote, tonight, or let's try to like, have a date night tonight in the house. And then, but what's going on is he's then just like, yes, that's what's happening. And then I am still like grinding through the day, right. trying to mentally prepare. So we're kind of stereotypical in the way of, like, I need to feel like we're connected emotionally in some way. And I know it can happen the other way too. Like sometimes you get emotionally connected through physical intimacy. So like, I don't want to completely not try that either. Like, it's not like I want there to be all these barriers to entry because it's not fair that my needs always come first. So we've tried like doing challenges for a number of days, like every single day. And that helps with me understanding, oh, I can kind of like a chicken and egg. If we're having sex regularly, then we are more emotionally connected. If we are more emotionally connected, then we are having sex more regularly. And it's this like snowball effect. But once we get off track, it's Fair. really hard to get back on. I love that you are scheduling it too. And that's something that I've, I talk with some couples about of try and schedule it. But some people are so and no, I don't want to schedule that. It, then it's like a chore. Then it's like it's something on my to-do list. But at the same token, like it also can allow your brain, you know, especially us women who need more time to, to get there, we can start thinking about it and kind of get all those little touch points throughout the day. And like reset expectations if it's not like if it's not going to happen, like it, it's better to know earlier if something's going wrong, I guess, in the day. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's crazy too with kids. Like it's a whole thing. Like you, Kelsey, you talked about your love language being words of affirmation and, and physical touch. But then as a mom, you're overtouched all day. You, so you need the words of affirmation, the connection first before you're ready to have that physical touch, before you're ready for that physical touch. Right. Yeah. And that's what we run into. Like, I remember actually after our first daughter was born, there were some things like I remember a specific conversation where we were sitting there and I was just trying to figure out what. I needed because I felt my whole body wasn't my body and it wasn't the same and things that used to work uh, before were now like really irritating and I still do want that physical touch but only if it's in certain ways at the right time like there's just so many other factors that are going on especially like if I'm breastfeeding if I'm pregnant if you know, if I'm nauseous and like, that's been our whole <laughs> marriage has been one of those two things. So it's, I feel like he's always dealing with a different, um, like not knowing mm -hmm. where to step. 
yeah, that area. It's, it's like recalibrating, like prior yeah. to prior to kids, like your body is your body is your body. Mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as you get pregnant, it's like, okay, now you have, now you're just like a resource mind and needing to recalibrate after every kid. Cause then it's, it's not just, okay, you're not just breastfeeding and growing a baby. You're now also like carrying another kid all day and like you're back and it's like having like, to recalibrate after every kid, I think has been the biggest challenge for me. Cause I don't, I feel like I was just getting into my group like settling in with the last one and then now things have changed a little bit he doesn't always know where to step and it's not like I can even tell him because I don't have enough time to really be like exploring myself and being like this is what I think would be good let's try this like it's almost like I I have an unfair expectation that I just want him to know or to figure it out (laughs) you know I'm like you figure it out I have to do all this stuff with kids he has almost has had an unfair expectation of like things will just be the same and I will say like compared to some of my friends I think we're doing decently in this area probably because this was like a big part of our life before kids but because it was a big part it also feels like the most changed part because it was something that we felt like we had figured out and now we're like ah like what are we doing not only are we you're scheduling out like times to have sex and be intimate but like take one of those times and just like be with each other and talk about like was say five amazing things about the other person back and forth just and just leave it at that and you walk away from it and so like help you know scheduling those times out too there was a point where i think taking sex off the table as an option because that way it would allow me to be more apt to snuggling with you on the couch whereas before if i would do that he'd be like oh maybe yeah. like yeah. And then, and then I would not because I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to go there. So I think taking it off was helpful in that it helped kind of recalibrate some of our physical relationship. Yeah. But. Yeah. It has been like, I think we have run into that, that thing you hear some women talk about where it feels like your body's like a means to an end. And I think that's where that is where things become like a turnoff is if I feel like, okay, well, my body's being used to grow these babies. My body's being used to feed them. I've had three C-sections. So I've gone through like three major abdominal surgeries. I, my hips don't work anymore the way they used to. I have sciatic nerve. Like I have all these lingering things, right? So I feel like my body's been just bulldozed over the last five years by all these pregnancies and births and everything. And then when I feel like he is just only being like flirty with me, it's kind of like the opposite. Like I feel like he'll be like suddenly very warm and flirty. And I'm like, excuse me, what is happening? Like, but I want that because that's what I want for my love language. But then I'm also suspicious. So it becomes this block. I want this to be like what it was before. But I also feel like this whole week, you haven't even paid attention to me. And now all of a sudden, you're like, hey, like getting really like an old day version of us. And I'm like, going along with it. I'm like, wait a second, like, is this all a game? You know, so I think there's like, for me, that whole nervousness, and I know he would never mean it that way. But there's just this anxiety. Oh, is my body just a common family item here that we all person in I know every other person in this family requires this except and then I don't even have time for myself like I don't you know what I mean it's like that feeling of just publicness really bothers me and it that is something that just like turns me off so as soon as I like go into that I'm just like nope like I can't even I can't even even if we agreed I'm like nope nope can't even go there like it needs to feel like my property again you know Get somebody to watch your kids so you can go on a date and have sex first. Yeah, Melissa Urban, she posted on her page to have sex first. Like if you have a scheduled date night, have sex first and then do your date. 
I was like, I, know, I saw that recently. I don't know. It's probably the algorithm. I saw that recently too. And I was like, we should try that if we ever, we're in the middle of a weird babysitter transitions right now. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be smart. Cause then there's not this like pressure looming. It's not like we ever have sex and we're like, oh, that wasn't worth it. Like we both <laughs> are like, yeah, that was great. It's just getting there. Like I, there's a lot of mental stuff that like comes up. Sure. It leaves a lot of tension ahead of it so that you can actually enjoy yourself. Yeah. I'm yeah. also trying to wonder how that would work logistically, you know, like babysitter comes over and we're like, okay, well, gonna no, it's like high school. You're, you're pulling over somewhere. Yeah, or that's something. Like right. We're going to turn this music up really loud. <laughs> <laughs> Theory it works, but. This was like cathartic. It was nice. It's like a free therapy session. Thanks. I'm so glad that you guys agreed to do this. And it's always just so wonderful to sit down and chat. Sometimes it's hard to get guys on the show and you add such a great perspective. It's partnership, right? And you got to be able to hear what the other one has to say. And you don't valid. I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, you know, making my first time a special time. Appreciate it. You're so welcome. <laughs> we broke your podcast virginity. Yeah. Yeah. It's a special day. Hey everyone, we hope you got something out of today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Love After Lullabies. And if you and your partner are interested in being in the show, we'd love to have you. Email us at loveafterlullabies at gmail.com. And also, we would really appreciate a like, subscribe, and even a share would be amazing. So she got burgers and three ears. Ha, 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 ha.